I'm Stephanie Belcher. And I'm Del Belcher, and welcome to Two, two Peas in a podcast. podcast. A relationship advice show from two people who like each other <laughs> very, very much. And like with last week's show, you might hear some, a third P in the background. Del's wearing baby Carly and the baby Bjorn. You know how great artists like ourselves in like Picasso, he had like his blue period and his rectangle period. This is the baby period of our yes. show where everything has this like baby aspect to it. Yes. Much like Picasso. Well, I just, yep. <laughs> she likes being held in the baby Bjorn and she goes to sleep. So she does. She's learning the ins and outs of podcasting. So this is Two Peas in a Podcast. It's a relationship show from two people that like each other very, very much. The first part of our show is P's and Q's, where we take a relationship question from one of our P's and talk about it. Then the second part is the split, where we take a relationship article torn from the headlines and talk about it. And talk about it, we do. Even if in the last few, I mean, they're all fun, but the last few have been bangers. Oh. I'm very excited about this. Isn't show. that a Miley Cyrus album? Bangers? B A N G E R Z. Yeah. It's a cool kids term for hot tracks. So, Dal, what have you been up to? What have I been up to today? Well, yesterday we went out for pizza with our friends, Brad and Leslie. Yeah. And Leslie's going to have a baby soon. Yeah. And, um,. We just had fun. She was going through all of that new new mom stuff, and um, I didn't realize that you have become quite an expert on pre-birthing. No. It was good. It was cool to see you kind of absorb everything that we have gone through with having a child, and like have, she's like asking you questions, and you were just like so like like a like a well like an oracle of truth. And I just really appreciated that. That was really nice. I think the one thing I'm big on is never saying really negative stuff. Because I feel mm-hmm. like people, when it comes to pregnancy and childbirth, like to say a lot of really negative, mean things or tell you really bad stories. And I don't find that helpful. Mm-mm. And in fact, most of the time, I just think, it, I'm like, I don't know why you're sharing that. Like, I don't want to hear this terrible horror story. Like, I don't know how that's helpful to someone. So There's enough bad stuff that's going to happen anyway. Like, hear the yeah. good stuff. Well, and most people have heard bad stories anyway, so I right. don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, what I mean, like, anybody is willing to tell you any terrible story any moment of any day. So to hear something nice and encouraging is very nice. I know. Let's just be nice and encouraging. I think that's going to be more helpful in the long run. Also, Brad, my friend Brad, does not like vegetables. So our pizza had steak on it. I've never had a pizza with steak on it before. Okay. It wasn't just steak. It was steak and then all of the... <laughs> We have a college student named Megan who is staying with us over the summer. She stayed with us last year, too. And she listens to a comedian, and he calls them marbled meats. The marbled meats. The salamis (laughs) and the hams and the uh, bacons of our lives. So it was a very salty. I I didn't. I had a salad, but it was a very salty (laughs) pizza. I ate it. I was so thirsty for the next, like, three hours. It was terrible, but it was so good. I know, right? Story of my life. Pizza life. Okay, well, Stephanie, since we're here to ask questions and talk about them, 
How about we get rolling with the P's and Q's? Hit me. All right. And for all of the pod squad out there, if you'd like to send your question out to us, you can do that at contactppodcast at gmail.com. And while you're online listening, because you're probably on your device, go find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you download your podcast, and subscribe. And then while you're at it, leave us a rating and review. That would be super awesome. Okay. Stephanie. Go. I'm 27, married for five years, and thinking of starting a family in the next two. But I'm worried we may not be able to afford it. We both have degrees, but are having a hard time finding work that isn't low-wage hourly jobs. Our housing costs are cheap, and we don't have a lot of debt other than college. But I'm worried that if we have a kid, we'll be stuck in poverty forever. Uh, Moving where there are other jobs is an option. But right now, all of our family is right here, and we would lose that support. So here's the question. Should we have a child if we don't think we're financially able to? Dun, 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 dun. Holy loaded question. Holy loaded question. I don't want to be the person that says, don't have kids, because kids are awesome, and I love kids. At the same time, financially planning, I think, is very helpful very useful raising a well-rounded family and i think this brings up a really interesting ethical question oh i don't know how far deep we should get into it let's get deep it brings up the ethics of quality of life in relation to finances Mm -hmm. because there's this automatic assumption that if you don't have a certain amount of money your quality of life or your child's quality of life will be not as great and i say that because in the huge massive hate to go there abortion debate Mm -hmm. one of the main reasons women have abortions is for economic reasons because they're concerned that they won't be able to financially provide for their Mm -hmm. child Mm -hmm. and so this is making me think of that okay that being said i i feel two ways about it the first is people want to be like oh it doesn't matter but that's not true Mm -hmm. because you don't have to have money to be happy but a lot of research shows, like, when you're financially viable, you are your quality of life is better. Yeah, you're not happy because of money, but you might be sad because of money. Yeah. <laughs> well, and one of the things that largely contributes to relationship strains is not having a lot of money. Right, finances. Um, I do think... So you said you had two things. What was the other thing? So the first thing is, like, people say money doesn't matter, but, like, whatever. But then my other thought is... There are people with far less money in the world, in the United States, in whatever, compared to you, that probably have one, two, or three kids, and I don't know how, but it always works out. Mm -hmm. Like, babies, life, whatever, just have a way of making themselves work out. Well, and I think the biggest... Here, So, you had two good things. Here are my two things. First is the fact that you two want to start this together, that's huge. I think... Regardless of the, because there there could be other money is not the only obstacle people run into. Some obstacles are not money related. Infertility, infertility, maybe other health issues like maybe like a bad heart or something like that. Yeah. Or there's a lot of other things besides money that could be an obstacle. And the fact that you two are on the same page that's really encouraging. That to me that says like we want to make this work. The other thing about money is no matter how good you are at money, there is always a way to figure some stuff out. It reminds me of the episode 
of the office where Michael declares bankruptcy. <laughs> and so Oscar looks at all his finances and he's like, you have to cut your magic set budget. You know, like there are some, there may be some things in your life where you have to really cut back. We've done that before where it's been like, I love buying my love language to myself is like buying stupid little stuff all the time. And there might be a few months of my life in the past where I haven't been able to buy stupid little stuff whenever I wanted to. And that was really, <laughs> that was really hard. But, you know, it's something that you, it's something that I did. We did together because we had a goal of starting our family and then we tried to make it happen. Well, and when you want to have a kid, there's really two types of costs. I'm thinking of it like a business. <laughs> there's the startup cost, which is a lot because mm-hmm. you have to buy a crib you have to have a certified car seat you have to have diapers yeah but i mean but then there's also recurring costs and the biggest recurring cost the thing that actually hits your pocketbook the most other than medical bills if you have medical issues is daycare or child care right so i think like you just need to consider that and mm-hmm. figure out if that's something how you want to handle that. Mm-hmm. Do you want to have one partner stay at home? Do you want to cut your hours? Do you want to put your kid in daycare, yeah. child care? Or if you have a family member that can watch your kid, I think just talk about that with your partner and then answer what you'd want to do there. Because once you have that answer, then I think that leads to, I feel like having a kid is definitely cutting into our wallet. Our cost for child care monthly is over $900 a month. Mm-hmm. It's not cheap and that doesn't include diapers and a ton of other stuff so the cost of having a kid is a lot that being said we're trading in quality of life like one bit the financial stuff for a baby Mm -hmm. like this and she is so perfect and so maybe we don't go out to eat as much but our quality of life in terms of having this wonderful kid who is just amazing. Like you just trade in one thing for another thing. Yeah. And I I never want to tell people, yeah, you should definitely have a kid cuz not everyone should, but I love it and I think it's worth it and I'm I'd rather have her than go out to Qdoba or have a new pair of shoes. Like she is worth. And once I have her, I'm like now whenever I go shopping, all I want to do is buy her stuff. I don't even care about myself. It, I just want to It's super weird cuz you would never spend money anyway. No. And I'm now pretty, you're just like, I just want to buy her everything. I know. Everywhere we go, I'm like, oh, I should look and see if she needs something. Yeah. And I love it. It's pretty adorable, actually. Uh, and, you know, I think... So here here are some things. I think a lot of times people think, and maybe in your situation, like, we have to do it on our own. Even if we have support, we personally cannot do this on our own. And, you know, our financial resources have gotten better and we are able to, but we still wouldn't be able to do this without our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned your family. So, example, the first uh, month or so of her, you know, newborn diapers and one stage one diapers, we didn't even buy any because we got so many from people. People just gave us so many diapers and that was super helpful um, for babysitting. Like my mom, she comes over and once or twice has come over and just babysat and it's been and we've gone on helpful. a date yeah. we've been able to go on a date um you don't necessarily want to put knowingly put yourself in a really 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 bad situation but if you two are in it together and you have that community i th- i think you could do it i my thought my gut is if you and your partner are both in it look at your budget make cuts and have a kid yeah because you're 
in my head, like, to be honest, I had always been like, do I want a kid? Do I not want a kid? But I thought my greatest regret in life would be never having a kid. Like, I feel like it would be such a huge regret for me. So Mm -hmm. if it's already something on your in your brain and your partner is for it and you're going to be supportive, I think you should totally do it. And then like Stephanie said, you know, if you're worried about the finances, you're going to have to cut something somewhere. Well, and jobs come and go. You can get a new job. People say you can't. I'm like, yeah, you, you spend six months getting a new job. You're pregnant for nine. You and your partner can look for something that pays a little bit more, get your benefits, change your budget. Like you have time and you can get more money. Yeah. And I mean, maybe moving is an option and maybe you don't have to move that far. Maybe there's like a online kind of job you could do or I don't know. But you have the family, leverage those resources, and I think you can have a really happy, cute, fun baby. Babies are great. Our baby, she's asleep now. She's fantastic. She fell asleep. She had to make a splash at the intro and now she's uh, she's done her time and she's ready for naps. Yep. Baby naps. Stephanie, I think we had a good answer for that. So thank you so much for writing in. I'd love to hear an update. Um, we'd love for there to be another Pod Squad member out there, a little Baby P podcast fan. Uh, but yeah, like I said before, if you have any questions of your own, dear sweet listeners, you can send them to contactppodcast at gmail.com or leave something in the comments section of our episode here on SoundCloud or check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash podcast. Right, Stephanie? You know what that means. That brings us to... The Split, where we take a relationship article torn from the headlines and talk about it. So, Stephanie, what you got in the hopper for us this time? So, I was scrolling through my newsfeed on Facebook, and I like a bunch of different news sources, but I like the Washington Post. And every once in a while, they do five myths. Hmm where they ask an expert in a field to write five myths about a certain topic. Okay. And this one is five myths about marriage. Ooh. And the authors are John Gottman, who we've talked about before. He's a relationship oh, yeah. researcher. G-Dog. <laughs> He's been on the show many times. The five, and, That's a love language guy, right? No, that's James Chapman. Oh. John Gottman is the love lab oh, guy. Oh, love lab, love language. Uh, they should team oh, yeah. up and have like a language lab of love. Love lab language. <laughs> I think they are, John Gottman, I think they are on different ends of the political spectrum and would not, might not get along. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I just wonder. I just wonder. Maybe. Uh, But it's, the article is written by John Gottman and Christopher Dollard, who's the content manager for John Gottman's content stuff. All right. Sweet content. I'm all about it. And this is from June 1st, but it's, I picked three out of the five myths because People can go read the other You'll two. just have to click on that link and uh, see oh, for yourself. Right. All right. I'm super excited, Stephanie. So, number three. Oh, but this is interesting because John Gottman has basically dedicated his life to relationships and relationship research. Mm-hmm. And he writes really interesting stuff. So, whenever he has an article out, I tend to click on it and read it because there's always a little hidden nugget oh, in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that, that's good because, you know, us being the relationship experts, we are super down with the Gottman. But not everybody is, so thanks for that update. So the first myth, he says, is common interests keep you together. Okay. And that's a a myth? That's not true. That, okay. I have to refocus because I thought you were going to be like, going to bed angry makes you less horny or something. I don't know. Well, I'm not on number two and three yet. (laughs) Okay. So 
a lot of people think that you have to have the same interest in order to stay together, but he says in the article, he and Christopher Dollard say that a stronger predictor of whether or not you're going to be together isn't your interests, but you've probably heard this before. It's the ratio of positive to negative interactions you have. Oh, okay. So more positive than negative. Yeah. Do you remember what the ratio was when you'd heard it? I just want to see if you remember. I literally have no idea. Well, I had remembered it being five to one. Oh, yeah. Okay. But he says 20 to one. Oh, that's a lot of positivity. Yeah. So 20 positive interactions to one, negative one in everyday situations. And if you... Most the couples that end up faring better have a higher ratio of positive interactions. I mean, that makes sense. 20 seems like a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Like our relationship is great. But 20 is a lot. <laughs> I don't know. Part of me wonders how they're counting it. Like, hey, you talked about driving to the store so that and it wasn't negative, so is that positive? Yeah, I think I think what got me in that is that it's about Maybe there's positive things that they are as like psychological kind of researchers that maybe they point out that we just don't notice, like yeah. like micro expressions and things like that. That's what I wondered too. But I think, but the idea makes sense to me that if you're just fighting all the time, probably not going to be. Even if you have one and a half good experiences to every one bad experience, your relationship will be better. So that's number one. Okay. Myth number two. Okay. Never go to bed angry. I said that. Okay. Yeah, I know. I said that. Didn't I? You did. Okay. You did predict that. And so we. I think there's a, they mentioned that this is, was that a proverb? Yeah, it's something about, like, don't let the sun set on your anger. Yes, 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 yes. So, according to John Gottman, that's crap. <laughs> he says that that's bad at advice because it causes couples to solve their problems right away. Like, we need to do this right away. We need to have it solved. We need to do it right now. But I had never heard this statistics, statistic, but two-thirds of recurring issues in a marriage so not you know there's some issues you have where it's like eh, let's figure this out once like do we get a car do we Mm -hmm. not get a car but out of all of your recurring issues two-thirds of them will never be solved because of differences in personality you'll never solve them anyway basically plus if you go to bed there's a really big chance that you'll just forget that's true (laughs) i and we've done that before i have also learned so there's you'd mentioned in their study it says it kind of uh, perpetuates trying to solve problems right away where sometimes time is good it gives you time to simmer on it think about it maybe even drop it or forget about it but one thing that i've experienced in trying to not let the sun set on our anger is that i don't know if you know this but the later you stay up at night the less sleep you get yeah you get nuts and so if we go to bed at 10 30 and we decide to talk about a thing and we don't get to sleep until 11 30 that's a lot less sleep and that actually makes things worse well, it's funny, like he, they end up mentioning in here, so in their love lab, they had a bunch of different couples, and then they had them fight and monitored them, and when you monitor couples and they're fighting, there's psychological stress when you fight, so when you fight, it increases your heart rate, your cortisol level goes up, you start sweating, your blood goes up. Mm-hmm. It's a natural physical, 
physiological reaction. That's a lot of stuff happening in your body at the same time. Yes. And so they say that when your body is that stressed out, if you try to solve it right away, it's impossible to. Because Mm. people that have that level of physiological stress cannot also be rational. Yeah. So even if you are trying to solve it in the moment, it's just, it's not, it's like scientifically not even possible. Correct. So your blood pressure is up, your heart's pitter pattering away. You're not going to be rational. You're going to be saying and doing mean things. So trying to let the sun not go down in your anger isn't going to happen. I think it's a good sentiment to like think work together with your partner yeah well and maybe you yourself it's and i think it's setting it on your anger it's different than solving the problem like maybe calm yourself and go to bed doesn't necessarily mean the fight is resolved but you are calm well I think that's helpful and speaking of calm they give advice for what they have couples do or what they had them do mm. in order to you should try to solve your problems and you should talk them out. But having a huge problem, talking about it right away leads to irrational discussions and fights. So what Gottman said he had people do in the love lab was he asked them to read magazines for 30 minutes and then they had them talk again. And so physiologically that let people calm down. And then once they calmed down, both people were able to be more rational and come to a better resolution and be really respectful. Do we have any magazines? Because that's a, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I just like the idea of 30 minutes away and then come back so that way physiologically you're not stressed. It's like in the penalty box in hockey. Just go sit yes. here for a few minutes. Think about what you've done. We're on a Come on out. back. Let's, uh, let's, have a, let's have a real conversation about it. Yeah. I like that. The penalty box of love. <laughs> Coming this fall to NBC. Ugh, NBC programming <laughs> is a train wreck. Uh Number three, the third myth that they talk about is that affairs are the main cause of divorce. So hmm. not true. Oh, really? Not true. No, no, no. I guess not. Well, and I think what's interesting on here is the way you want to look at the statistic because okay. we could read this in other research and it would be true, but he takes a more of an in-depth approach. So what he says is that the cause of people getting divorced actually happened before the affair. Uh, Do you see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, because it, isn't it like trust and like those interactions, the positive interactions? Yes. Okay. So he states that 80% of divorced men and women cited growing apart and a lost sense of closeness to their partner as a reason for a divorce. Okay. So it's more like we're growing apart, things aren't going well. Then there's cheating, and then there's a divorce. So it happens, but before the affair even happened, there's all this other stuff going on. Because I would think that, and this is probably, I, I, I don't know, I just feel that if things are going well, I guess there's a chance that you're more, uh, more less likely to cheat. Well, yeah, I, you know, I almost did another article because there's new research on a, on affairs, but um, there's always new research on that topic. But yeah, basically. Hmm. Okay, so it's the, that that cheating is more of like an outgrowth of yeah a already manifested situation. Well, and the word that they use here is loneliness. They say that loneliness oh. causes an affair. So if you're feeling lonely in your marriage, that is typically one of the main drivers, lo- which makes sense. And loneliness is like the sign that things have been not good. 
Yeah, I mean, people want to think, I don't know what people want to think, actually, but I feel like it's always framed like, there was cheating and they were just over. But in my mind, I'm always like, yeah, like sometimes people just mess up and make stupid choices. But a lot of times there's other life stuff going on. Yeah, say, and I, I do feel that blaming it on just the cheating may take away some other things like you don't have to think about the other stuff that was happening i wrote a blog post about this once because i never really heard anyone talk about it like you shouldn't cheat it's bad however i do feel like the person that ends up cheating gets so much of the blame and then the person that was cheated on gets to be like well they cheated on me and anything that that person does gets Mm -hmm. totally thrown away from what i've learned from country music if you're a cheater you're pretty much fair game for like any any number numerous amounts of violence i know i hear that stuff and i'm like okay someone cheated on you that's awful but like keying their truck and their personal property and going to prison does not make you a better person it's not like hunting season is open on this person don't don't tell the internet that <laughs> well this show is only on the internet so yeah, I know. come here at, we go come at me internet i'll fight you <sighs> so those are three of the five myths that are talked about in the article by John Gottman and Christopher Dollard. Now, Stephanie, I am very interested in hearing these other two, and she hasn't shared them with me, just so you all know, listeners out there in podcast land. Um, so if I wanted to read those other two, where could I do that? I think you're going to put the link up in the show notes. I will! Or search Five Myths of Marriage on the Washington Post website. Nice! There are other myths, and I'm, I'm really excited whenever time the the g-man comes out with some new content so uh looking forward to the future probably talk about him again i think so we should do a show on the love lab itself have we ever done that before no we've talked about it a little bit but we haven't done anything on the book specifically <laughs> do like an in-depth expose well, he's got two books on i think talking about the love Lab. in-depth expose love lab hmm. loving it looking forward to that thank you stephanie so much for sharing that article with us and your very thoughtful insight and thank you folks out there for listening to two peas in a podcast a relationship advice show from two people who like each other very very much with special guest appearance by our baby uh (laughs) if you want to listen to more of our episodes they're all on soundcloud they're all on uh apple podcasts they are basically wherever you listen to podcasts so open your favorite podcast catcher type in two peas in a podcast and you will find us so check us out wherever you get your podcasts um thank you very much again stephanie thank you to our friends over at podcast elite network and stephanie do you have anything else before we go we hope that after listening to this podcast you learn that you can like each other very 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 much. much